strays. This is Midnight Social Distortion, and I am your host, Marco Estes. And I'm giving you your first review episode. So this will straight up be a review episode. There'll be no news, no um, personal information, just a straight up interview for two particular movies, or rather a movie and a documentary, both Netflix available. Um, the first one is going to be Army of the Dead by Zack Snyder, and the second one will be The Sons of Sam, the document, the four-part documentary about the Son of Sam murders and the possibility that David Berkowitz did not work alone. Uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and start first with Army of the Dead because it is the most talked about movie on social media at the moment and I have a few words about it um for starters let's go ahead and just read off those who are involved in the movie um as you know Zack Snyder directed it he also did the story the screenplay was by Shay Haddon Joby Harold and Zack Snyder it stars David Bautista Ella Purnell, Omari Hardrick, Anadella Regura, I probably butcher her name. I'm so sorry. Theo Rossi, Matthias Schweier, I'm sorry. Nora, Nora Arnzeter, Hiroyuki Sanada, Tig Notaro, Raul Castillo, Uma Qureshi, and Garrett Dillahunt. And I am so sorry if I butchered a shit ton of those names um the movie was released on may 14th on netflix but it did garner um a, a box office run of one million dollars as of this recording and for a budget of 70 to 90 million but we all know that covid had a part to do with that so i'm not gonna knock it for that um but let's get the story out the way first basically army of the dead is about a zombie outbreak that takes place in Las Vegas and after the military manages to wall up the city and block out any interest into it there is a guy played by Hiroyuki Sonata named Bly what's Mr. Bly's last name um Bly Tanaka which is crazy because I think that's isn't that his actual name no Bly Tanaka sends in a mercenary group of people to retrieve $200 million from a casino that he owns there. Now, this is where everything goes to hell because, well, it's not exactly where everything goes to hell, but after David Batista's character, whose name is Ward, garners his people who he pretty much fought the dead with already um, when the first outbreak happened he garners up his i want to say it seems like it was his um but later in the movie it seems like they had a, a, a romantic relationship but maria cruz and vandero who are basically ana de la regura and omari hardrick and they decide to bring in a, a safe cracker by the name of dieter um a helicopter specialist by the name of Marianne Peters, a sharpshooter by the name of Guzman, and a young woman who is, I guess she's like a scout of some sorts because she leads people into the city for, I don't know, I never got the idea as to why she would do that and why people wanted to go into the city so badly, but... Anywho, they get their crew together and War's estranged daughter decides to come with them when she finds out that uh care but she's she's a volunteer at a what you call that place? She's a volunteer at a I guess a refugee camp of, of some sort of people who probably had nowhere to go once Las Vegas was shut down and she is friends with one of the people there who has some kids and Lily, who is the scout, she 
took the um the mother into the city and left her there not intentionally but she just the mother never came back so ward's daughter whose name is kate and you're gonna hear a lot about kate and she decides to go with them after all because she needs to find out where the kid's mother went the kid's mother name is gita so also going with the group is tanaka's i guess side um, right hand man martin and that's pretty much it outside of um guzman's friend chambers who was fucking awesome um they get into the group they, they get into the area and they meet up with the queen of the alpha zombies or whatnot pretty much they are faster than the regular shambler zombies and they have to give a sacrifice this is where theo rossi's character comes in who's a complete asshole and i knew something bad was going to happen to him he's like he was asking for it and i didn't expect it to happen so soon so basically they sacrifice him to the alphas and they make their way into the casino that they're trying to get to and once they get to the the safe and they all are branch out to do what they came in to do we discovered that well before we before that happened martin who this was shysty he just looked suspect from day from from the first time we saw him he kills well he sets up chambers to be the first casualty of the group outside of um theo rossi's comings but yeah so he did his dirt and was going to do some more dirt because it comes to find out that tanaka used the 200 million dollars as a ruse to get uh i guess an alpha zombie head or an alpha zombie specimen to create like zombie soldiers for the military it's it might have been it might have seemed as if um I believe the government was in on that, but I get it said in a, in, a, in a few minutes. But basically, shit goes to um, the shit hits the fan, and you no, know, the the crew is decimated down to just a few people very quickly, and it's Rogue One all over again. And I am so upset. <laughs> about how that movie ended because if you if you know me if you ever heard me talk about rogue one it was one of those movies where i wasn't expecting much out of it because i was like one of those i guess what they call it you know not a not a deep star wars fan i was like star wars is nothing without the skywalker um storyline or whatnot blah 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 now that I've become more deeper into the franchise, I realize there's a hell of a lot more to talk about and to explore outside of the Skywalker saga. And I believe Rogue One and the Mandalorian, Rogue One, the Mandalorian and the Clone Wars showed me that made me a believer. So I watched Rogue One and like when it hit um home video and was not expecting the ending of road one i was upset i was crying i've never cried in a star wars movie ever and that was the first time i cried during a star wars movie and i didn't cry here but i was still just as upset because i had actually started liking some of the characters and once i realized that everybody wasn't going to make it out and it was mostly because of dumbass decisions by Kate. My God, that girl got on my goddamn nerves. I mean, Martin was Martin is the villain, but Kate is the true villain because she, it, her anger towards her father. Her it's like one of those. She's like one of those righteous people who just feels like because. I feel this way. Therefore, everybody else around me is wrong and yada, yada, yada. It was just like, girl, if I don't know, I was just ready. I, I would have shot her in her leg. I know that's kind of like very fucked up, but it's just the fact that you have to you have a crew of people here who have to now you 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 are you are. Uh, I, I, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Shit. 
she became a variable that they were not planning on having in the crew. Um, she pretty much became the damsel in distress. Everybody else in there could have handled themselves, but the fact that she ran off when shit hit the fan and I don't know how, I don't know if she even had a plan to get out of there once, you know, everything, you know, once everything happened, how the fuck was she going to get out of there? But I get into that in just a second, but the crew started getting um, taken out one by one. Shockingly, the first person to go was Cruz, who I, who she just, you know, her and Ward getting ready to talk about, like starting the life out after getting the money and everything. And when she, the elevator door opened up, that zombie snapped her neck. I was like, fuck out of here. I cannot believe y'all took her out like that. And it was just like every, and you know that she was the first to go that, I mean, Batista, I knew he was going to probably make it to the end, but it was like, if she got knocked out, there was no way in hell anybody else was going to make it out of that situation. And um, so I was upset that Dieter, um, Sacra- well, he was a funny character. I really enjoyed his screams every time a zombie popped out and he wasn't ready for it and stuff, but he was a character. He probably ended up be, I think I related more to him than any of the other characters. And I like that. Um, I cannot pronounce this man, this man's name to save my neck, but I'm just gonna call him by his first name, Matthias. Um, I'm happy that Matthias, um, you know, he was a good, he, he, he played his part really well and it was sad to see him go. Um, I was, it was smart of him though to throw um, Amari Harder's character Vandero into the safe, and as soon as he did that, I was like, "Oh, he's good. He's good." And when the um, bomb, and I forgot to mention at the beginning of the um, story, they had a timeline of a day and some minutes to get the stuff and get out. They had a big window to get in and get out, but the government all of a sudden decided to up the day of bombing the city to hell um, by 24 hours, which gave them down to 90 minutes. This is why I think the government was in on it. Once Tanaka probably told them that, you know, everybody's in place. They're almost ready to crack the safe. And uh, Martin probably got the asset that they were really trying to acquire. And I think that the game plan was for Martin to get out, was to be the only person to get out. And for the rest of them to just get blown up in the process, and there would be no, uh, there will have there would not have been any witnesses to like to say if they did create the zombie army and it got out of hand, they had no witnesses to say that. Well, this is how this X, Y, and Z happened. So they were they were expendable from day one, but. Luckily, um, luckily, Lily foiled Martin's plan and he got his ass ate up by the zombie tiger named Valentine. And I was so happy that they drug this scene out um, because he deserved every slam on the ground, every scratch, every bone broken in his body for the shit that he caused, especially after what he did to Chambers, because that was just, oh, God. I mean, and she went out like a G too. She fought her ass out. And I, the only thing that pissed me off was the fact that when she, they thought he had locked her inside the kitchen area where the shambling zombies were. And she hadn't even been bit yet. But when she jumped out the window after he had told Chambers' um, friend, uh, Guzman, when she told Guzman that, when, he, when Martin told Guzman, I lost her. They got her already. We know we can't do anything. She jumped out that window and I was like, that's when Gusman should have been like, oh, you motherfucker. And he probably should have took out Martin right then. And, but he didn't, it, I guess it was just too fast paced or whatnot for him to like realize that. But I'm like, you said she was gad and clearly she's okay. And I would have shot Martin, then ran and shot a couple of the um, shambling zombies off of her and then got her to safety because Truly, if Martin had not of if Kate and Martin had not have fucked up a lot of stuff, they could have gotten out of there with the money and the government would have probably just been like, well, we got to send somebody else in there. But 
I done got sidetracked. Um, so after Verdholder got locked in the um, safe, Lily, Guzman, and Ward make it to the top floor, and they get overtaken by zombies in the casino floor. But Guzman's the one who's get who got you know killed in the process of that. Lily and Ward make it to the top. Ward is still trying to figure out what the hell happened to his daughter. I mean, rightfully so. And up top, Peter's the whole entire time is trying to work to get the helicopter to work. So once she gets to the top, so once they get to the top, the helicopter's finally working. The lead zombie guy named Zeus, and again, I'm sorry, I didn't, I left some stuff out. Zeus is the king. I'm pretty sure he was the patient zero that escaped the um, beginning of the movie, and he ended up creating certain zombies and whatnot. Because if Zeus bites you, you become one of the alpha zombies, the ones that's able to run and do kamikaze kicks and um super fast and fighting and all that stuff like that and they still have some semblance of a brain if any of the i guess the other zombies bite you i guess you just end up becoming a shambler or something so zeus is i you know he's the king and you know the queen um the martin took the head of the queen to try to take it back to the government or whatnot, the military. Um, Zeus finds this out. It's pissed off. He takes the queen's body back to the lair where they took um, Cummings and bit him. And he reveals that the queen was actually pregnant with a zombie baby that was kind of reminiscent of Dawn of the Dead, except that the baby was dead or the, the baby was alive before the mother died and the, the baby died in the process but anyway the baby would have been okay I, I don't know how they were going to explain it if the baby had been born if the queen never gotten like her head taken off or whatnot so Zeus gets pissed and that's how all the zombies attack the group because before then there was a truce you gave us Cummings, you have free pass to do, get whatever. But at the same time, um, Zeus took Gita and two other women that went with Lily and he was keeping them in part of the um, hotel where they were at to, um, I guess, turn them into another alpha zombies. I don't know why he was keeping them and not just turning them as soon as he got a hold of them or whatnot. So that could, I don't know, but Zeus finally catches up with Lily and Ward and to get Zeus off of them, Lily sacrifices herself to stave off Zeus. So Ward and Peters can get off of the get off. Lily's whole thing was she was trying to make up. She was trying to make amends for a lot of people coming in and losing a lot of people within the walls of Las Vegas when she brought them in or whatnot. Also, she only reason why she went with Martin because she actually helped Martin take the queen's head. She wasn't, she didn't think that's what he was going to do, but she did it and realized that he was going to double, he was going to double cross all of them. So she kind of, um, stopped that in his tracks because she switched out the queen's head with another item. And she had the queen's head on her. I don't know why she kept it. I would have just left it there. Um, but she still had it and she used it at the right moment to um, lure Zeus away from the helicopter. But she died in the process. And Zeus, uh, as she drops the queen's head, Zeus kills her and, you know, goes on to back to the main place where, um, what's the child's name? Kate went in and found um, Gita and another woman. And of course the black woman who was with, I think she was black or she, she was of color. I would say that she was of color and she gets bitten by Cummings, who's now a zombie. And you think it's going to be a uh, showdown between Cummings and maybe Kate, because he did accost Kate at the beginning of the movie, you know, and they come to find out, well, and the story reveals that uh, from Lily and Kate that he kind of raped a couple of the women in the camp outside of the um, Las Vegas thing and 
he was just slimy. You thought it was going to be like this big battle, though, but he's taken out pretty easily. And once Ward and Peters land on the on the casino where Gita and Kate are, that's at around the same time that Zeus is um, shows up. So Gita, I mean, Kate gets... Ward gets Gita and Kate up to the roof onto the helicopter and for some stupid ass reason they had to sit there and grin at each other and let Zeus catch up with them and of course um, Zeus jumps on the helicopter and causes a lot of chaos and even though they make it outside of Las Vegas the helicopter crashes um, before it crashed though they take out Zeus but before and the helicopter crashes Peter is killed Gita is killed in the middle of all the chaos Zeus bit Ward. So I'm looking at this like, so everybody died except the bitch who, you know, wasn't supposed to be in the crew to begin with. And this is when she decides to have an epiphany and be like, you know, oh, dad, I hate that this happened, blah, blah, blah. I love you, da, da, da. And Ward dies giving Kate a huge chunk of cash that he managed to take out the um, vault and for her to start her life anew and whatnot. And so she's the sole survivor of this whole mess because the nuke hits Las Vegas and takes it completely out. And just when you think the movie's ended, um, Verhoeven, um, Ver- Verdwin, or what his name is, um, Ar- Amari Hardy comes out and he has a majority of the cash, like two or three bags of the cash. And he's screaming for help and call if anybody's still left or anything like that. But somehow he walks his ass back to his um, estate that's right outside of Las Vegas. Gets in his car, drives to the local, I guess, airport, buys a private jet and gets on there. And is completely like injured. But nobody's asking any questions. Nobody's asking like, you know. Do you need assistance? Do you need any medical attention? Anything like that? He gets on this plane and tries to party it up. And then one of the um, one of the stewardesses is like, "Sir, you're really cold. You probably have a seat." And I'm like, "Oh fuck! No, the fuck they did not. No, the fuck they did not." And so sure as hell, uh, sure as shit stinks. Hardrick goes into the damn bathroom and realizes that he's been bit. The plane is headed for New Mexico and the movie ends. I'm pissed off because I don't know about you, but if I had to tow three bags worth of hard cash from one location to the other, I would have probably realized in some capacity that I had been bitten by a fucking zombie. I mean, I I don't know. It just seems to me that it was just, I don't know. It just pissed me off, but and, and still, Kate was the only person to make it out of the situation, and she wasn't even supposed to be there. With all that said, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, it gets ten. It, it, well, I'm gonna give it ten. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it like seven point five. Um, on the on the on the across the board you know just whatever the score is that like lead up to 7.5 that's why i'm gonna give it it was a great roller coaster ride a great popcorn movie and that's it there's no type of substance in this movie and those who probably think that there's substance in this movie probably needs to reevaluate what substance is and i'm not trying to say that it's a bad thing that it didn't have any substance in it but it's just a fun movie I think Snyder wanted to do a fun movie kind of like he did with Don the Dead. And I enjoyed the pure fuck out of Don the Dead. But I think that this movie is like right up there with Don the Dead. It's just a good action film. It was a little bit long in the tooth. It was two hours and 28 minutes long. But when you sit down and watch it, it, it burns by pretty quickly. There's really no slow scenes once the movie gets past um the crew um the 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 gathering of the crew once once you the movie starts off with a bang then you get to the the um grounding of the crew then once they get into the 
comfortable. Once they get into the past the barrier into Las Vegas, it's just a nonstop roller coaster ride. And I think everybody should take a, a viewing of it. Everybody should at least give it like at least one or two viewings because it's just a good movie that you should watch like with a group of people. And everybody who went to go see this in theaters probably got a way better treat because it's like that movie that you will sit there being a big audience with and just just go for the ride and just enjoy what's in front of you. And I mentioned this in episode three of the podcast with The Quiet Place, um, expanding the universe. Army of the Dead is doing the exact same thing. And I am interested in what they got to do. There's a prequel movie coming out that talks about which which follows Dieter's character, which is great because he was he was a standout character and the outbreak in Las Vegas as it happens, because that is very that, that that's a great place to start. It's one of those prequels where I, I usually don't like prequels that, you know, that the person that's following or the creation of a movie monster or something like that. It's like, you know, everybody's going to end up dying. I don't care. But in this scenario, I actually do because I'm interested to see how shit went left once the, once Zeus and his um, two zombies that he created made it to Las Vegas. Like that looked like it took place within a week or something like that. And that's a good starting point for a multitude of spinoffs or prequels or whatnot so i'm interested to see what they do with that they're also doing an animated um an anime prequel about Cruz and ward and vert uh vert Vertwin or what his name is and that's also gonna be interesting as well it's kind of like another you know what army of the dead reminds me of it army of the dead is america's answer to train to busan and i feel like instead of trying to watch an american version of Train to Busan, just watch Army of the Dead. Watch Train to Busan, then watch Army of the Dead. And then you have a complete, you know, back and forth because Train to Busan also has a prequel, um, Soul Station that talks about how the virus wretched um wretched soul before it took off and whatnot. So I think Army of the Dead is doing the exact same thing. And then Zack Snyder also said he had an idea for a sequel. And I'm here for it. I'm here to see what he does with the sequel. Maybe it'll be Amari Hardrick being the new Zeus because he is the only, he was bit by um, Zeus. He had been bit by Zeus because every, all the other zombies down there were dead and it was Zeus who was about to demolish him. So before Dieter stepped in and helped. So Zeus it would be cool if Amaria Hardrick was the new Zeus and like the two stewards on there might end up being one of his queens or something like that and then they just infect New Mexico or it just shows that um, how New Mexico falls or they save the day before New Mexico completely falls or something like that or whatever city was in New Mexico they was going to anyway but if they do have to bring back Kate Child look um Take the money your daddy gave you, go somewhere, tell them what you saw and let that be it. Let a whole new group of people come in because I'm so pissed. I've never been pissed off at a character that wasn't like a true villain in a long ass time. And she was just the fucking worst. Um, But like I said, Army of the Dead, 7.5, damn good movie. It's just a popcorn movie. It's got no depth to it. Just think of it as a resident, a two and a half hour long Resident Evil movie, because that's pretty much what it was. It was just well directed, great cinematography. The soundtrack was amazing. Um, I don't give two shits about Elvis, though, but they utilized Elvis's versions of those songs in the movie very well. Um, it, it enhanced the movie. And I think that's one of Zack Snyder's strong points is that he knows when to how to use music in his movies. Um, so there's that, but yeah, army of the dead, two thumbs up, 7.5, um, across the board. Uh, check it out on Netflix. Now let's take a break before we review Netflix's the sons of Sam. And we are back. And on this 
segment of the first review episode from Midnight Social Distortion, I will be getting into Netflix's four-part documentary called The Sons of Sam. Anybody who knows me knows that I have gained a, like, I don't say an obsession, but just a hardcore interest in true crime documentaries especially those that are well done and even the menial stuff like forensic files and uh, what's the other one I used to, oh American Greed I love American Greed more than any of them because I can't believe so many people get away with scamming so many individuals across the world um, also to catch a smuggler you know stuff like that I love because you just want to know how the world works sometimes in terms of outside of other outside of murder because I believe that when it comes to like blue collar crimes or just smuggling of drugs or other paraphernalia into the United States or across the globe people get hurt but it's not as terrifying as somebody like David Berkowitz the son of Sam or the Night Stalker, um, Richard Ramirez, or any or Charlie or Charles Manson, any of the top serial killers across the United States, it just seems that seeing somebody get taken down, um, like Bernie Madar or something like that, is more satisfying than hearing about the multiple people that died at the hands of these madmen. But I still watch some of the Netflix documentaries. I feel like when they put four episodes, they give us four episodes to see what the case is about and whatnot. And they present it from a manner of, and I don't know if it's like uh, the same producer for most of these shows. Um, I do know that one of the recent documentaries I saw on there was about the Cecil Hotel. And I was kind of upset with how that was all put together, how it was handled, how, nobody from Elisa Lamb's family took part in the documentary. They probably didn't want to, and I don't blame them, but it's just, it, that particular documentary, it lost me in episode three with the whole internet sleuth thing, which was just fucking ridiculous. And I, I, I was, I, we're talking about the sons of sound right now. The whole, Cecil Hotel situation is just a whole nother episode in itself. But with the Sons of Sam episode, um, the Sons of Sam documentary, excuse me, that was done by, I have it here, that was directed by Joshua Zeman and Paul Giamatti was the voiceover for Mari Terry, who the documentary was mostly really about at the end of the day and it had a slew of people who either were a part of solving the case or were a part of helping um Maury Terry with his um search of whether or not this was connected to a bigger um organization and people who were probably hurt or survivors of the Son of Sam murders and attacks the the show the first episode started off with pretty much the history of the what what the just the breakdown of how the summer the son of Sam did his crimes and the people who lost their lives and those it affected you know and it was pretty much uh I'm not gonna rehash but just a breakdown of everything involved in the case I had just recently seen an episode a two part episode of um, HLN's Very Scary People that talked about the case and compared that one episode of The Sons of Sam, the first episode of The Sons of Sam compared to what Very Scary People did. uh, It's funny that the um, first episode of The Sons of Sam put in way more information and a whole lot more, uh, I guess material than the two episodes of very scary people did and i don't know if it was because they very scary people had so much to work with and so many people to interview or whatnot but it feels that the sons of sam first episode was a way better 
telling of the Son of Sam murders. And it gave you a clear um it gave you a clear answer as to what happened when and added with newspaper clippings and news reports and whatnot, it enhanced the dread and the fear that was going on in New York City during that time period. Now, episode two is where you kind of get into the mind of Mari Terry. Um, even though he they kind of started off in episode one, um, I feel like they got deeper into the mind of Mari Terry and who he was as a person, as a journalist, and his quirks and his, you know, dog, um, a dog with a, um, how do you say it? When you, when a dog latches onto a bone, he can't let go type, um, mental, um, not mental, but his, that's just his personality when it came to trying to, when it came to this particular case. Uh, and episode three delved deeper into the cult aspect of Mari's claims and then the final episode is just I it kept me up until I was enthralled until the last probably 30 minutes of episode four and I think it's because of the way that the narration was going it felt as if they drug you all along putting out these plausible theories that Mari Terry was putting out without, well, I'm saying without, but with, it was seemed like the theories that Mari Terry was putting out had a lot of weight to them. And it seemed as if the police officers who actually solved the case of who caught David Berkowitz felt like they had to, save face because they don't want to look bad in the public eye so they were going to sit there and deny that anything that Mari Terry was saying was you know erroneous or just crackpot conspiracy theories but when you get to the last episode it just seems like even those who was working alongside Mari Terry was even saying that you know he just didn't know when to quit and he didn't know when to just pull back and he had an agenda and all this stuff and I I was kind of like thrown aback because I'm not gonna lie they had me with a lot of the theories because they were as a matter of fact um if you're not gonna watch the episode um or not the episode you're not gonna watch the documentary just a spoiler alert it's really not even a spoiler you can find it on google the information pretty much but the way the documentary presents it it just seems as if like they're leading you on this path and then when you get to the end they pull the rug from under you and was like uh yeah the weird thing that Mari Terry put out there is pretty much unfounded and whatnot but from episode the last part of episode one all the way up until that point in episode four they had me hook line and sinker um, but let me just go ahead and give you a history of what Mari Terry was doing. I'm just going to like, not generalize it, but I'm just going to like try to give a, a Cliff's Notes or Spark Notes version of what was going on. According to Mari Terry, um, David Berkowitz did not work alone in the Son of Sam murders based on witness accounts and certain situations where Burke was couldn't be at two places at the same time. So from there, uh if you watched a very scary people episode, uh of the two part episode about the Son of Sam murders, they mention mm. um John Carr and Wheat Carr. And Wheat Carr was the woman who pretty much clued the police on who David Berkowitz was and that he might be the son of Sam but she didn't do it like oh I know he's the son of Sam it was just like no he's a really fucked up guy he threatened to shoot our dog or he shot the dog or something like that I can't remember but the point is that Wheat Carr clued everybody in but Wheat Carr's brothers were allegedly also possibly involved with the murders because one of the brothers matched the description, one of the um, eyewitnesses said 
uh, you know, that was involved in one of the um, shootings. And also the car that one of the car brothers was driving was identified by one of the eyewitnesses. So um, that's how Mari pretty much, that's one of the, that's one of the ways that Mari kind of like felt like it was a bigger uh, thing than just David Berkowitz. Also, um, there was a lot of other stuff that was presented, like David Berkowitz sent um, a letter to, I think, a police officer, or it was to a reporter that had a book that connected, that said that it was a connection that, you know, follow the follow something that took them to some part of California where a woman was murdered and it seemed like it was in a ritual ritualistic manner because she was murdered in a church and come to find out that it might, the person who murdered her or the the murder itself might've been connected to a satanic cult called the children. And they was talking about how they met up in a certain part of New York and they would have like these satanic rituals and they would sacrifice dogs and whatnot. And then they even sat there and said that this went as far as to connection with Charles Manson and that the, it was a group that was before that was before the children. It was a group that was, that had banded after the disbandment of another group that had all these connections or whatnot and that um, David Burke was couldn't give any information out about who these people were because they were going to kill his family. And the Carr brothers both ended up killed in weird manner, in a weird manner. Each that seemed like it was because I don't think the, I don't think the cases were solved about who killed the Carr brothers because they were killed at two separate um, times and whatnot. So David Burke was also who, before he went to jail, he admitted that he killed all these people, but he started like recanting saying, you know, uh, I wasn't involved in certain murders and whatnot. And I shot this person, but I didn't shoot this person, but he would never admit who shot who or something like that. But the way that the narration and the way that the direction of the documentary was going, it seemed as if, um, Mari Terry was onto something. However, when you get to the last episode, it seems like everything that he had was unfounded. It made it seem like it was unfounded. It made it seem as it made it seem like everything that he had was unfounded, that he was like pretty much making connections based on the like, you know, birds of birds of a feather flock together type situation where this person knew this person therefore they had to have known this person and they had to know what was going on here and there and this this and that so it it was kind of like it was really the show was the um show was really about Mari Terry's obsession with the son of Sam murders and this bigger this bigger conspiracy that could have been had behind it now I don't like conspiracy theories um I tend to I'm not going to lie, I tend to like shut my ears whenever I hear one pop up. And I kind of was a little bit mad at myself that I got caught up in that with the show. But it's just the way that the show is written and directed. Um, you will think that there was something big going on before you get to the last episode. You'd be like, I wonder how, like, how has this not been, you know, advertised? Why has, why has the cops not, you know, went back into um investigating all these claims that he's made you know it's we got better technology now maybe they can sit there and like find something but the only thing that the show leaves you with is that because i mari terry believed that a specific person committed the murder of arliss perry who was the girl who was killed in a ritualistic fashion in the church in the um, um california college i forgot what the name of the place was and they ended up the end of the episode, they ended the final episode with that particular person killing themselves, who Mari Terry named, killing themselves because they found out that he actually was the one who did kill Arliss Perry. So I don't know what they were trying to say with that, but it was just kind of like an eerie, open ended moment that you would probably find in a horror movie. 
because even I'm not I don't know what to make out of what the the um son of Sam the sons of Sam claim because the make it they make it seem like I think David Burke was said that he and everybody else was working for this demonic thing that came in the form of a dog and called them the sons of Sam Sam Hain. I don't know what to make of that, but I do know that police are capable of doing cover-ups. And I do know there's been specific incidents where, actually I do know, but I, it wouldn't surprise me rather. It would not surprise me if certain situations, uh, if certain mm-hmm. cases and whatnot have gone unchecked because of a DA running for a specific office or something like that. And they don't want to have any type of um, blemish on their record or a specific DA or lawyer or whatever you want to have it, chief police chief or something like that is is like using a specific case to use that as a platform to run for office, political office or something like that. So it would surprise me if that was the case, but yeah. Um, so that was pretty much that episode. I mean, not the episode, but that documentary. It is available on Netflix. It's four episodes. All of them are under an hour long. You can probably binge it in like a day. Like I said, binge in a day. It's probably best if you just binge it all at one time or maybe take a break in between each episode to try to like get a feel of what the previous episode had just explained to you before you go into the next one. Um, I, I recommend that everybody watch it. Um, I would give it uh, 8.5 across the board uh, because like I said it got me it got me for a minute but then it got to the point at the end of the um, fourth episode where you were like you don't know what to believe you don't know what to believe Mari and because um, he did have some valid points but at the same time the people who worked with him even one of the, one of the survivors of the Son of Sam murders saw that he had become obsessed even down to his last dying breath he was worried about you know, this case being, you know, open, reopened and like looked into and whatnot. So it's just a story of obsession and how if you have a specific, if you have a specific view of something that nothing can shake that viewpoint because you're so, you have the tunnel vision to make sure to, to carry it through and to you have a tunnel vision to prove yourself right by any means necessary so and there's a lot of people like that in today's society that have platforms and whatnot and it's kind of it's kind of scary it really is kind of scary i mean just as scary as the actual son of sam murders i think being that obsessed with the case to the point where you take it you you die with it being one of the last things on your on your mind you can't live you can't breathe you can't sleep without thinking about this particular situation is very nerve wracking. Um, but yeah, I recommend you do check out the sons of Sam on Netflix. It is, like I said, four episodes long, knock them out and let me know what you think. And that's going to conclude my first review episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If there's any other movie out there you want me to review, from the past, you know, present, anything coming out, just let me know and I'll try to give you my take on it. Um, you can reach me at on Twitter, the anti critic. On Instagram, you can reach me at Marco Estes, all one word, and the O is the letter O, not the zero. So Marco Estes, and that's my private account. Um, I usually share some of the same stuff from my private account to my main account, which is Midnight Social Distortion. And but if you want to meet, if you want to add me on my private account, um, just send me a message on Instagram to Mark Oestis. You don't have to be um, very formal. You can just be like, "Hi, I heard your podcast, and I would just like to, you know, follow you on." Um, Marco Estes as well as Midnight Social Distortion so I would I would add you if you actually have some type of um, if you're not crazy and I don't like to say that but if 
I have a lot of people trying to add me through Bitcoin and um, trying to sell products and all this stuff. And I tend to block them. It's like popping pimples. You just constantly, you know, blocking them if they're time they pop up. Also, I'm on Clubhouse. Um, my handle on there is MS Distortion. And I'm going to try to utilize Clubhouse a whole lot more. I'm thinking about reopening my Facebook account. I don't know yet. Um, I just have to figure out how I can migrate most of the material over to my personal account or just create a whole brand new Midnight Social Distortion Facebook account and just keep it, you know, attuned to just that specific re that that specific um well reason and profile just no personal stuff nobody from high school or hometown or family just fans of the sh of the show and horror fans and fans of everything in general um so yeah I do have a Snapchat. I rarely use it. I can't remember what the handle on that is right now. I also am thinking about starting a TikTok. I don't. I'm not. I'm not completely solving it yet. And I'm thinking about trying to do a YouTube page. So just continue, uh, continue liking, subscribing, retweeting, resharing. I appreciate everybody that does that. You guys know me how much that means to me and i if you if I, I would scratch your back just as harder so yeah just you know support black gay horror content creators support um gay horror content creators and yeah stay spooky happy pride and i'll see you next week